Fathom fam, welcome to our weekly Sunday Sermon Podcast. We want to remind you, if you haven't yet, go ahead and download our Church Center app. We've got lots of awesome events coming up, and we don't want you to miss a thing. You can also keep tabs on us over on Instagram or YouTube, our Facebook page, and our Fathom fam Facebook group. We're going to link all those resources in the show notes, and we hope to see you there. But for now, we're going to jump right into the message. There was, there was this show a long time ago uh, called, I mean, and it was, it was a long time ago, called Cheers. Anybody remember Cheers? Right? You want to go where somebody knows, where everybody knows, I think it's everybody knows, where everybody knows your name. Um, I, I think uh, I, I've heard from so many, uh, maybe it's not everybody knowing your name, but a, a lot of you stuck at this place and this became your house because somebody knew your name. Somebody looked you in the eyes and learned your name. It's a, it's a value and principle of really doing life uh, together. There was this other show, If Cheers is uh, Before Your Time, that said, see, no one told me life was gonna be this way. Some of you helped me out. Some of y'all, that, that is so legit, your life right now. Your job's a joke, you're broke, your love life's neo-age. Um, no one told you life was gonna be this way. Uh, in, in these shows, we love the idea of just the friendships there, where people know your name. The idea of friends is even kind of funny, where like all the friends have keys to one another's houses, and they just walk in anytime. And like in our head, like that sounds awesome, until someone did that to you this week, and you'd be like, what are you doing in my house? Like, <laughs> love you, give me a call next time. Or how about like they all like dated each other and then broke up and they were also friends, right? That's like a dream. Right? A dream. <clears throat> this idea of friendship is, is something that we're going to talk about today. Um, you know, we, we, this behind this series, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, it's been said that the only thing that we can take with us to eternity, it's not our house, it's not our portfolio, it's not our career stats, um, it's not our clothes or even our wedding ring. The thing that we get to take with us is our relationships. And, and I think some of us will be, will be the poorer uh, eternity-wise if we don't invest in the relationships that God has given us, people that, that we want to be with us in eternity. So we're seeking friendships for the end of the world. We're, we're, we're seeing our relationships with an eternal perspective because in the temporary, let's be real, friendships are really hard. Like when we, I look at my daughter, Elisha, she's amazing. She's six years old. If you haven't gotten to know Elisha, like you're just missing out. Like she is just a bundle. She is sweet and sassy. And literally she makes a friend everywhere we go. We, I was just talking about, um, she has so many friends. Like everywhere we go, it's like she's the little six-year-old mayor of Jacksonville. She has friends. Like we just run into them. We walk out to the beach. Um, we'll, we'll be going out to the beach. We're literally walking up. She looks over and she sees someone relatively her age. She goes, I found a friend. <laughs> Isn't that cute? Like she doesn't know this person, but she's immediately recognizing that's going to be my friend. And I'm like, that should be inspiring to some of us adults who are really struggling with relationships. Because a lot of times what we do is we put a lot of fences up and really struggle to make relationships because we've got this certain kind of person that it has to be, but I think when we really begin to develop that Elisha mindset of like, there goes a friend, and there goes a friend, and when we begin to see our, bo- our brothers and sisters 
not as strangers, but as that, brothers and sisters. It's like we are very rich when it comes to family and friends. Amen? Every church we walk into, we're not walking into a bunch of strangers. I'm actually walking into a bunch of brothers and sisters, and so there's a mental shift, but we're kind of in a, we're in an epidemic in our nation, in our world, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to, to friendships, whether you're nine years old or 90 years old or somewhere in between, uh, there's this epidemic of, of loneliness that's taking place. Uh, in fact, uh, the University of Notre Dame um, decided to start teaching people about friendship, and so they offer a friendship class. You can pay thousands of dollars to go to college and take friendship class. Now, some of y'all went to college, and you took some classes that were probably just as easy as friendship class. Um, and so what we're going to do today is we're going we're gonna, to uh, start class now. So everybody, uh, get ready to open your textbooks to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. And we're, we're stepping into friendship class. Friendship 101, because, uh, because God's word has something to speak to us about our relationships and our friendships. And can I tell you, from a very personal level, before we dive into the text, I've been on a real journey in understanding the place of friendships in my life. It, it has not come easy to me and naturally to me. It has not, and, but I've had to, I've had to learn it and, and grow and develop new habits and, and push against what I would say my personality type tends to be, to really be shaped by God and, and to understand God's purpose in friendships. And so um, I, I pray that, that my authenticity and vulnerability and that will meet some of you where you're at today saying, yeah, I'm not really good at this thing. I feel really lonely but I believe God's word wants to get something into our heart today. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine through 12 says, two are better than one. Just go ahead and say that with me. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Uh, Mikey, sitting on here in the front row, you're a business owner, right? Yeah, yeah, sure, right? When, you, when you're, you're, put, you're putting some effort into a job, Right, you're thinking about it. You're thinking about, is it going to have a good return for my investment? Right, for my time. No, you are. Like anybody who owns a business, when you're bidding it out, you're whatever. You're thinking, is this? They're going to be a good return. Is this a good long-term investment for us? And he says, two are better than one because there's a good return in friendship. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie together, but um, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I've got a few things I want to get into your heart today around this text. And the first is that godly friendships are God's design. It's, it's his idea. God has created within the fabric of our very being, our human existence, as we are made in the image of God and God within himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has a unified and yet diverse relationship in his own being. And so our life in the church and our lives individually within the church should be made up of this, this diverse and unified design that we find in our relationships where we're not doing life alone. The phrase we use around here a lot is no disciple walks alone. We're not called to be doing life alone, but let's be real. It, sometimes it just feels easier, doesn't it? It just feels easier. But we have to move away from kind of the design of our culture and what 
kind of feels natural to us in our flesh and, and, and be shaped in the image of God and to be shaped after the pattern of Christ and, be, and to be led of what, um, to, into his design for our life and it includes other people. It's not just you and Jesus getting your own, you know, your own thing going on. Connect, connectivity. But our, our world really in America, we're at a, a real peak where it's hit a whole nother level. I think we all understand individualism in America. Individualism that, you know, we can kind of, sell, we celebrate unique identity, right? And that we can each kind of create our own path. And we celebrate those type of things. But it's reached a whole nother level in our culture in recent years. To the point where uh, any infringement upon someone's uniqueness is a moral failing, <laughs> Like that's actually a new moral standard is to not get in the way of someone's unique and individual path and identity. But here's the deal. God's path for all of us goes through the way of, of Jesus and it includes relationships and community and connection. And so I'm gonna continue to underline this word godly and I'll unpack it as we get in. But godly friendships are God's design. When, when Jesus sent the disciples, the 72, he had sent the 12 out, and then he's sending the, the 72 out, and he did not send them out, hey, you go over to this town, and you go over to this town. They, he sent them out two by two. He sent them out with one another. Let's just talk this out. Let's brainstorm this in the scripture in Luke chapter 10. Why did Jesus send them out two by two? It wasn't because he wanted to be like Noah. Let me just, let me just... I don't know, maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe it is, maybe it is. I don't know. You throw it out. Why did Jesus send his disciples out two by two? Come on, throw it out there. Yeah, second eye, another perspective, blind spots. Yeah, throw it out. Come on, we're just group learning here. Huh? Help each other? Yeah, nailed it, dude. Yeah, what else? Huh? Symmetry, a synergy. Yeah, a little synergy action. What else? Not to be alone, comfort, security. There's so many reasons we could continue to list on, but Jesus sent them out two by two, but we have to ask ourselves, do I see my friendships, godly friendships, as really a God thing, not whether I wanna do it or not, whether I'm feeling it or not? We, we, and we've gotta buy into the idea that I'm not a loner. I, I, I'm, in fact, when Jesus taught them to pray, he taught them to pray what? Our Father to not see their, even their spiritual life as disconnected to the other people around them. And this is so distant from what our commercials and media and American ideals have really led us to. And so it's important that we dive into the truth of God's design and relationships. And the text here says that two are better than one. Why? Why? Because they have a better investment. For their, there's a better return for their toil, their work. The idea of a return speaks of kind of the end of a contract payout, that it was worth it in the end, that investment that you put in. And now some of us, I, I really just felt this as we were worshiping, that was not really in my notes, but some of us, we really hold back from godly friendships because of pain and the, the hurt that has been caused to us out of those friendships. But what what God is speaking to us through his word here is that the investment is worth the return. They're worth the work. Godly friendships are, are worth the work in the end. 
Now, I, I'm not a, a, a stockbroker. I can't tell you all about that. I know that the market's way down right now, but here's what I know, my personal investments. I'm gonna keep, I'm not, not a genius on this, but I know so many of us, when it gets hard, the times get tough, we stop investing because we, we think, oh, well, I, I, I wanna do that. I don't wanna lose money, but here's what I've been told by all the people who really know what they're talking about. No, don't. Things are cheaper now. You can have a, a better investment. If, if you keep giving, if you keep pouring in, if you keep investing, the return, when it turns around, which it always does in the stock, when it turns around, you're gonna have a far better return than have you given up. Like, and it's massive. If you saw the financial numbers, I wish I would have prepared that. I did not. But it, it makes a difference. You should consult your financial advisor about all your stock decisions. <laughs> not take it from my sermon. Um, but the investment is worth it in our relationships. But that's really hard when our relationships are really hard. And when we're prone to do life by ourselves. Taryn and I, uh, we did, some of you may not know this, we did long distance for two years. That's, somebody, somebody knew what I'm talking about. That's a long time to be apart. And it was really, I mean, we had started dating like six months, like eight months, and then after that, we went long distance for two years. Um, and it was hard. It was really hard. She was uh, back home. We were nine hours apart. She was uh, working a full-time job and got up at like 5 a.m., and I was a college student, and my life looked real different, to say the least. And so I just remember these phone call conversations where I'm hanging out at friend's house at like nine o'clock and she has passed her bedtime by half an hour as I'm stepped, I've stepped out of the hangout and she's like barely hanging on, trying to like wanting to fall asleep on the phone with me. We've had a good 15 minute conversation and I was, I was done like personally as a man after like 60 seconds, like God, am I the only guy? Like, we like a nice short conversation. Let's get to the point, and then let's get off the phone. Ladies like to talk, and there's something that... So it was, it was a long two years, to say the least, in learning about how to communicate and the sacrificing of our preferences for one another and meeting each other where we, we were. But can I just tell you, 15 years into our marriage, 15 and a half years into our marriage, it has been worth the investment. I would do it a million times over. It has been worth the investment. But it, it makes it really hard in our life um, when, man, we really, we're in a season in which we're giving more than we're receiving out of a relationship to keep investing. It makes it really, really hard. It, I've shared this, this study before, but there was a study that was done that said it, it kind of broke down into time how long it takes to develop good friendships. Like, it said, like, within 50 hours of, of time, so that's like getting together in a small group one hour a week for a year, like 50 hours-ish, or take a couple vacation weeks, a year that you could develop someone that, hey, like, we're, kind of, we're kind of friends. We're kind of friends. I've let you into certain parts of my life, not everything, but we've kind of developed. Maybe you've, maybe you've been with coworkers, you can go there fast, or you go on a mission trip with somebody and like you come back close because you've spent a lot of time with them. And the study essentially said it took like 200 hours of like quality time to actually develop good friendships. And knowing that those invest, like it, it takes an investment on my part to actually build those, most of us, we give up at hour like 20. We're like, I didn't make any friends at that church. Well, you've been there like, 20 hours, and then it was the time when we were all looking up this way to receive teaching. 
spent zero hours face-to-face with anybody. You've invited zero people to dinner or lunch, and I'm not criticizing anybody who's ever told me that. Nobody's even coming to mind. But I'm saying friendships take work. It takes investment. It goes both ways. I'm in a group. I'm in a small group with pastors, and many like we, we get together. We're talking um, via group me. We're texting. Uh, we get together in a couple weeks. I'll be together with them in person and do it a couple times a year. And then we get on a Zoom call for a couple hours every month, and we're just it's my, it's my small group. And so many of those times are. Me just listening to what's going on in guys' lives and like the problems they're having in their church or the thing, the struggle they're having in their, their marriage and, and, I, and I'm just listening and I'm praying for them and I'm being there for them and, and there's an investment on my part of my time and energy in that and my prayers and man, am I glad when it rolls around and it's like, it's my turn, guys. Like I'd, I'm going through some stuff. We're in a transition in our life, and we're, we've got this going on in our church, and I need prayer, and I need brothers. Man, am I thankful that I make the investment in that because they are there for me. He, here he uh, says in the text, for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who's alone when he falls because he has not another to lift him up. I was reminded of Mr. T who said, I pity the fool. He said, but pity the fool who says, I don't need others today. Pity that person who for year after year, day after day, week after week, decade after decade said, no, no, I'm good. And they get to the end of their life. They want somebody to show up there for them and they're just like, nobody's here for me. There's people who that's their reality and I pity that fool. So don't be that fool. Invest in the relationships today for we, we will reap a return that is worth the investment, is worth the work. And, and so much of what we're doing in the shifting of our, the way we're looking at our small group environments and growing smaller is these anchor communities. And, 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 and I, need, I need you to buy into this, not because I'm trying to grow a church out of this, but because I'm trying to grow people out of this. I, 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 need, this, I need you to get this for your sake, not for mine. This, this does nothing. Nothing for me. It changes my life in very little ways other than you'll be healthier and stronger through this. And you'll be a better reflection of God's kingdom. And we'll be a healthier church because of this. These communities that actually the end of uh, the marriage conference weekend, after service, we're gonna host this kind of community connection. There's different you know, dinner parties that are taking place. You can find those in the Church Center app. And, and we used to kind of base them around a leader and a topic, and we're not doing that anymore. It's focused around a community of people that are gathering together. And I wanna challenge you, I wanna encourage you to make the sacrifices, to make the investments, to figure out what in your schedule that has to shift to make priority so that we can grow smaller, that we can grow tighter uh, as a church to make those investments. And let me just tell you, 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 at the first couple of weeks, you're like, is it worth it? Like, am I going back? I'm not feeling great. It's been a long day, and you're gonna have to say, is it worth the work? And go back to not my words. Go back to the word of God that says it is worth the work. Two are better than one. And even if you don't have that, even if that doesn't fit into your schedule because you, you, there's just not a group that fits in your schedule right now or you're online in a different part of the country, um, figure out what does it look like for me to be intentional about my relationships and to not do life alone. Third thing I want to get into your spirit today is that godly friendships are about mutual edification. Mutual edification. 
uh, for 15 years. I told you Taryn and I have been married for a little over 15 years. And for 15 years, uh, Taryn gets into the bed and uh, at least several times a week and uh, just decides to put her cold toes on my body somewhere. <laughs> and uh, for 15 years, she has thought and expected some kind of a reaction like, get off of me, whatever. But I'm very hot-natured, and it, I welcome it. I'm very happy about her cold toes. I'm like, bring it. Like, you know, where you want to, yeah. right? And so, and we warm each other up. And that's really what the scripture says here. I think about, I was out in that tent when we did our anniversary. Um, many of you were, were there um, at that. And if we were in that room by ourselves, it would have been very cold. But because we were in there with 175, 200 other folks, it was not so cold. It might have been a little chilly if you were sitting next to the door. But we were warmer because we were together. There's a mutual edification. We help one another Help. Uh, one another. This is what Paul meant uh, when he over and over again throughout the New Testament uses the word koinonia or fellowship, that there's this mutuality in our connection to God. It's an, it's an our father. It's a, it's a communal relationship we have as brothers and sisters that none of us are doing life alone. And that is the call. That is uh, the platform. That is the design that God has for our life. And yet so many of us, we push away from it because oftentimes we don't realize the mutual edification that is actually present in them. And it doesn't usually happen overnight because sometimes I may have to invest for a while before it is mutually edifying. Or I may have to change how I look at people and quit judging them if I'm gonna receive from them. Quit, quit thinking I know them and just ask them questions and get to know them. Instead of, no, 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 they're, they're not a person I'd ever hang out with. No, no, we disagree about this. And sometimes those are the people who you're gonna be closest with. You're gonna build a relationship together. And so get curious in your relationships with one another and ask questions to get to know one another. There's a real issue going on in the church of Rome in around 65 BC, 50, 56 BC, I think it is. Right, when the Jews who have been pushed out of Rome, they come back. And they come back, and now all the Gentiles are leading the Christian church. <laughs> and the Jews are trying to find their way back into their church. And there's these people who are believers and mature believers, and these people who are like new in their faith, and they got a lot of hang-ups, if you will. And Paul is encouraging them, hey, it's gonna take a lot of self-sacrifice in your relationships. It's, it can't be all about you. And your showing of love means you're gonna have to give up your rights, give up some things that you're like, no, no, this is what matters to me in order to show love to one another. And here's what he says in verse 19 of that same chapter. He says, therefore, let's make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Mutual edification, the, the Greek term here for edification is really about a structure. It's an architectural word here, a, a mutual building up of the building. It's the kind of same idea that Paul talks about Ephesians and, and that when we become so connected to one another and as our connection and our health and, and our, our relationships are stronger, so the church is built up. And we have to know that that is the, the call in our relationships, is to be mutually edifying. And that means sometimes I'm sacrificing 
That means other times I'm just receiving. And if we're really honest in our own life, some of us were really good at sacrificing but not really good at receiving. And some of us were really good at receiving but not really good at sacrificing. I'm just gonna go ahead and read that back one more time. Some of us were really good at sacrificing but we're not good at receiving. Love, care, correction, whatever it might be. Some of us are really good at receiving but not good at sacrificing. And I would say wherever it is, our relationships, godly friendships have both. A godly marriage has both. Giving, it's a love. There's no beginning, there's no end. Both are giving and receiving at any given moment. There was a season in my life not too many years ago where um, I, I realized I had learned some things about relationships, but I still had a long way to go. And I think it was because of the struggle. I was going through some personal things in my life, um, some, some stress, some things I didn't have answers to in our church, and I felt really up against a wall, felt very overwhelmed, but I didn't let my wife in to what I was going through. I didn't let our leaders into the struggle I was feeling. They knew the struggle, but they didn't know the struggle. They knew the struggle, but they didn't know my struggle. Um, And I remember just being, um, the right word for it is probably pretty depressed because loneliness will get you really depressed really quick. Can I get an amen from anybody who's ever lived that? Loneliness will get you really depressed really fast. And I remember just walking out. I remember I was standing right outside this door and um, I I was just mad at God. I didn't realize how much anger I had at God, and, and really in hindsight, it, I shouldn't have been mad at him, but I was mad because it felt like nobody was calling me, nobody was encouraging me. I felt like I was giving out more than I was taking. It didn't feel mutually edifying any longer. And that's a tough season if you've lived there in your marriage or your friendships. It's, it's a long season. But it's even longer when you don't let other people in. You don't let somebody in, maybe not the same people, but somebody else into what you're going. This, this woman called me. I love her to death. She called me and she said, Pastor, I'm just calling to check on you. How are you doing? And uh, I didn't cry because I was that depressed, whereas I can't even cry. You ever been there? Um, and I said, I'm, I'm not okay. I'm like, I, I really, I'm not okay. Um, I said, I'm sick and tired of encouraging myself. Like David, there's a scripture that says David encouraged himself in the Lord, and a lot of times that is helpful when we're having a rough day. I need to encourage myself in the Lord, remember who I am in Christ, read the word of God, remember all that. And I was tired of doing that. Like, I've encouraged myself in the Lord enough, and I need somebody else (laughs) to encourage me. And uh, long story short, that conversation and a few other things that took place really began to break it up. And I realized that I was mad at nobody calling me, but I didn't let anybody else in either. And so it's a two-way street. Um, and and I, I just want to remind you that Satan knows that relationships, godly friendships, are God's design. And so he is constantly scheming you to separate you from godly friendships. He will do that through a critical and judgmental spirit. He will do that through pride that says, I don't need them. He'll do it through a busy schedule that says, I've got more important things to do. He'll do that through our physical bodies that say, you're tired. Why bother? Uh, we, we have a, 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 <clears throat> a coaches meeting with our uh, worship leaders, and Lee was on that this past week, man, and I appreciate you giving me permission to share this. 
Um, uh, and he, he just confessed. He said last Sunday, Lee's been serving so faithfully for 10 years uh, here at the church. Yeah, absolutely. Show him some love. And um, he, he loves this church. I mean, he, he said, I, I love to serve every weekend if I'm given the opportunity. We really try to develop a healthy culture where people are getting time off in, in weeks, but uh, he, he loves to be in here. So sometimes when people love to do it, it's like it's hard to keep him away. <laughs> uh, he loves to do it. And last week was one of his weekends off. And he said, and I just heard the whisper of the enemy saying, doesn't it feel so good to just, to not be serving today? And he said, he said, it was so quick. It happened, he goes, and I just realized it's the enemy trying to separate me from my gifts and my callings and from my family. And I said, man, that was such a, some, some of us, it takes us months to realize what's going on. That was a really mature thing to be able to recognize immediately within a matter of hours or moments that, okay, no, no, that's the enemy trying to separate me here. And I just wanna tell you, like Satan will do that in your life too whether it's now or two months from now, and you've gotta be able to recognize it and call it what it is. The last thing I wanna get into your spirit, and I actually have a lot under this, so I'm gonna move quickly. Godly friendships are, strengthen us for that spiritual battle because it is a spiritual battle. There is war waging over your spirit. The text says, and though a man might prevail against one who's alone, two will withstand him, can defend. Interesting, in Ephesians chapter six, in the um, uh, unfolding of what we know as the armor of God. There's nothing that protects the back. I believe it's an intentional le uh, leaving out because it is our relationships that watch our back. It is two that will withstand him. A threefold cord is not easily broken. Sometimes this text about the three-strand cord not being easily broken is used in marriage situations where it's like husband, wife, and God is the other part. Sometimes it can be used in just three individuals you know, um, three friendships, like it's just a tighter knit. And it's really about a braided cord that's together. Um, and historically, we've just tried to figure out, and most of the time we kind of just interposed that God is that third cord, and I think it, it works. It, it works. And that, what I'm trying to get at here is that in our relationships, there's two people involved, but God's in those relationships. God is working through them to prune us, to edify us, to build us up. And really, it's not that person's edification. It's God working through them. They are vessels of God's healing, of God's compassion and grace and service. And so I, for those of you <clears throat> that struggle to sacrifice, when you see that, know that God's present in that relationship. And when you serve them, you're serving the Lord. And, and know if you have trouble receiving when when. when someone's doing something or serving you, know that it's the Lord serving you through them when it's a godly friendship. Are you following me today? That God is in the middle of those relationships and they matter. But you may say, like, what does it mean to be a godly friend? I've been using this, this, this adjective, godly, over and over again. I wanna define it for you. First, it's a godly friend is someone who loves you for you. And there's more loves you for you, there's, like, there's no question, like all your warts and all, like they love you for who you are, they're not always keeping score, they love you for you, not who they wish you were, right, this is some early marriage conference stuff, like loving them for who they are, not who you wish they were, it's genuine love, but hey, let's be real, non-believers can do that, that doesn't make someone a godly friend, one of the big elements of being a godly friend is someone who trusts God and his word. And this is the differentiator between all your other friendships and relationships. 
is that a godly friend trusts God and his word. Because your friends who don't know the Lord, who don't know the word of God, like they're just gonna give you some advice that's most of the time gonna be very selfish and about what's gonna make you happy in a moment. But God's purpose in our life is not for us to be happy, but to be holy, to be transformed, to look more like him, to be prepared to meet our maker and stand before him. And so that's why you need a godly friend, not just a friend. Not just someone who will love you for you, but someone who will speak the truth into your life. Because iron sharpens iron, Proverbs 27, 17 says. We need people who are gonna sharpen us and it takes both sides of that. Who trust his word. That, and and it doesn't, you don't have to be a pastor to trust God and his word. You can ask a question like, when someone's coming to you with an issue, well, what does God's word say about this? And I encourage you, don't say, what does the Bible say about this? Say, what does God have to say about this through his word? There's a difference. It's not, it's not just a book like, what does the Bible say? It kind of distanced us from the God who spoke the word and inspired people to write it. It's, very, it's a very different thing. So I would actually encourage you to begin to, to reframe the way you talk about what does the Bible say? What does God say through his word? Because it's good for us. It's good for us. But we need a friend who will trust God in his word. You can, you can ask, what does God's word say about? You can say, hey, can we pray about this together? Have you prayed about it? together. Even before they, people often come and ask my advice about something, I'm like, hey, have you prayed about it? Because like, God's way smarter than I am. He's got way more wisdom. Have you prayed about it? Because that's where we should go first, and then we invite others in to help carry the weight with you to the Lord. This is the third part of being a godly friend, is someone who's going to carry the weight with you to the Lord. This is a very important part you see, those three twists of a three-strand cord woven together enable the rope to evenly distribute the tension among the individual strands. That's why a three-strand cord, braided cord, is not easily broken. Because when, when, when someone shares something heavy with you, you don't walk away the same. And that person doesn't walk away the same. When I've told you what's going on in my life, immediately you walk away a little bit heavier. Not as heavy as I feel, but you walk away a little bit heavier than when I did. And I feel a little better because I've let somebody in and I'm not carrying it all along. That's what happens, isn't it? That's exactly what happens. And when we get together and we really begin to do this in a spiritual way and realize that God's the third part of that cord, right? He carries the heaviest weight, praise God. But it's also lighter. It's distributed among the tent. We, we still feel attention. We still got to walk out our suffering, our situation. And that person still has to realize that, okay, I can't save this situation. I can't fix everything. But we're walking in it together and knowing that God carries it and we get in his yoke that is easy and is light. Are you guys following me there? Because I feel like that's really helpful practical advice in your life and the purpose in our relationships. But here, here's just three quick thoughts. Three ways you can help carry the weight for somebody. One, Stop and pray with them. Don't keep giving them good advice and not recognize the source of all wisdom. Anybody who lacks wisdom, James says, should just ask because God is generous to give wisdom. He's given us his word and prayer works and matters. Confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Stop and pray for them. Don't make that your last resort when things get real, 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 real bad I'm gonna pray. One of our core, like, uh, serve culture values we say is Rosetta Stone, that prayer is our first language. And the reality is, is for most of us, it's not our first language, it's our last result. And we want prayer to be our first language. 
Ask how you can practically help them, right? And if you're on the other side of that and someone's asking how you can practically help, give them the opportunity to practically help and assume that they're being transparent and honest and want to help. So think of a way that they can practically help and receive that. And then thirdly, be present. Helping others carry the weight is not about doing things for them. It's not even having the right words to say. The gift of your presence God's spirit is alive in you and through you to just be present, to just be present with someone when they're carrying a heavy load and weight. It makes a lot of difference. And I truly believe that we as a church, we're only going to be as strong and as healthy as a church as you are connected relationally and spiritually. We are only gonna be as strong and healthy as a church as you are connected spiritually and relationally. And so as the band's gonna come and begin to close us out, I wanna pray over you. I wanna pray over you. Because I I realize that many of you uh, find yourself on a bit of a journey when it comes to relationships and find helping to trying to find a way that I can let people in without not getting hurt again. Many of you are like me and like your schedule's full and it's very difficult with a career and with kids and with different activities and engagements that you have in your life to to make space for relationships. And here's what I'm, I'm hopeful for, here's what I'm longing for for you is that there's actually a desire in your heart to go deeper with a few people. Not everybody needs to know 100%, but somebody needs to know 100% what's going on in your life. And I think there's some real um, habits that God is gonna call us to change. There's some actual pride strongholds in our heart that need to be broken. There's some real, like, critical spirit and judgment stuff that's in the way, their strongholds, their blockades from us being able to have true Christian community, godly friendships. Some of us can't be so afraid of the word godly that we're afraid to pray with somebody, afraid to ask for prayer because frankly, it's just never been in our language. It's it's never been in our heart and I wanna pray over you. Would you stand with me? I just want to humbly pray over you today. And maybe you're here today and you say, I'm actually really good at my relationships. You know, I've got godly people in my life that pour into me, that sharpen me. If that's you, I want to encourage you to be an intercessor right now for those um, within our church that do not have that, who are struggling through that. If that's you, I, I also want you to pray for the future of our anchor communities that God would build relationships, that would would grow people in here who are spiritually and relationally connected, and that our church would be stronger. We hung pretty strong through the whole pandemic thing. I think a lot of it was, people had to say, hey, how did that happen, Pastor? I'd say, one, we broke bread in unity every single week together. That never stopped. And two, we really prioritized relationships. We're connected with one another. Did our best to stay connected probably more to it, like 
Jesus building his church. (laughs) But I'm thankful for you. And I want us to grow in this. The health and the future of our witness in this community, I, I think this is a huge part of it. And we need to own that. We need to own that part. And, and I want that for you. So I want to pray over you. Lord, we thank you for your presence and your power. God, we thank you for the incarnation of you coming to be flesh, to be with us and teaching us and modeling for us what relationships and good times and bad, what confession of what it looks like to weep in front of others, what it looks like to get tired and take rest. God, all these things you've modeled for us. And I just pray right now in this room that we'd be a people who are connected spiritually and relationally and the health and growth and well-being of the body of Christ would be stronger. God, I pray right now for strongholds that are in the way, strongholds of pride, strongholds of hurt, God, strongholds today of a critical spirit, a judgmental spirit. God, the person with the busy schedule who will not prioritize themselves to be in community, God, would you correct us by your spirit today, not by my own words, but by your spirit. Would you lead us in the way everlasting? We love you. Let's continue to worship. Sometimes a sermon leaves you just wanting a little more. If this message has stirred a hunger to go deeper in God's word and you want to learn more about this teaching and how to practically apply it to your everyday walk, make sure to subscribe to our Fathom Beyond Sunday podcast. There you're going to find some great conversations between Next Steps director Christina Scott along with Pastor Kyle or another leader or guest speaker. We'll link it in the show notes for you. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus or feel led to recommit your life to Christ, we want to celebrate with you and talk with you about what your next step might be. If you're ready to join a group or a serve team or even to request prayer for all of these things, you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97000 anytime and follow the prompts. We love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you tune in again soon.